Hello everyone. Welcome to the second episode of LV podcast. Today we are having a conversation about impact investments and for the same we have invited Mr. Shri Krishna Ramamurthy from United Seed Fund who has been actively involved in this sector. To interview him we have Mr. Madan Padaki, co-founder of OneBridge and Headheld High Foundation. Without taking much of your time, I'll quickly leave it over to you guys now to start the conversation. Hi, good afternoon everybody. Uh, wonderful to be on this podcast with Let's Venture. My name is Madan Padaki. I'm the founder and CEO of OneBridge, a social enterprise that is creating jobs in rural India uh, by converting youth as entrepreneurs and helping them deliver a variety of services to local consumers. It's been a, a long journey of 10 years with the foundation that I'm a part of called the Headed High, now morphing into OneBridge as a social enterprise, all with the objective of creating livelihoods and sustainable livelihoods in rural India. That's a quick bit about me. Uh, delighted to be in this conversation with Sri. When the Let's Venture guys said, hey, why don't you do a podcast and you get to ask questions to an impact investor, I said, rarely does one get to question the impact investor. And that's how I jumped at this opportunity. So Sri, you're in the hot seat today. Uh, wonderful to have you with us. Why don't you just give a quick background of who you are, what United is, how did you land up in the impact space? Sure, it's good to be chatting with you, Madan. We don't usually, like you said, get to do this where uh, you're asking a lot of the questions. Uh, my name is Sri Krishna. I'm with United Seed Fund. We are India's leading impact seed fund, investing into businesses that serve the masses. Uh, the areas that we invest in are healthcare, education, and fintech. And uh, we've been doing this since 2012 when we uh, set up the first fund. And we're currently investing out of our second fund, which is a 300 crore fund. And uh, we're looking to invest in up to 25 new companies over the course of the next few years. Uh, both for Unitas as well as for uh, myself, a lot of this started with microfinance. Uh, today, microfinance has shown that you could be creating large-scale impact and generating uh, strong profits and returns for your investors uh, by providing financial services to a segment of, uh, of the society that doesn't have access to it. And what we're doing at Unitas Seed Fund is taking a lot of what we've learned in microfinance in the early days and, and fulfilling the need that uh, low-income consumers or, or, or folks at the bottom of the pyramid have around other sectors like healthcare, education, um, access to uh, things beyond credit, etc. Uh, so that's really how things have evolved both for me and for United Seed Fund. And <clears throat> we, from the first fund that we raised in 2013, we've made uh, 23 investments and we've created a sizable amount of impact uh, up until now, our, through our portfolio companies, we've impacted over a million lives in India. And when we say impacted a million lives, it means uh, someone's either uh, been able to access a healthcare service or someone's been able to access a, uh, a supply chain intervention that's enabled access to better quality uh, of, uh, of inputs or uh, access to higher levels of income and, and those sort of things. And I'll, I'll tell you more as we go along. Great. So, so in a way, that's what you're defining as the impact of the impact investment that you do. And you're defining it into three sectors, healthcare, education, and livelihood creation. Can you go a little deeper in terms of, so what would you, what would you define as impact? You've, you said you impacted a million lives. So if you were to just take a view as of now and then fast forward five years hence, what is the real impact that you guys want to make in, in the country through the investments that you make? Sure. I think the best way to answer that ends up being um, using examples from our own portfolio companies. Yeah. 
and I'll, I'll maybe uh, talk about two or three and then, and right. then take it from there. One of our earliest investments is a company called Hippocampus. Mm -hmm. Hippocampus runs kindergartens and villages. So it's the same quality of education that a child would get in an urban setting, but Hippocampus does it in villages where the population is anywhere between 5,000 to 15,000 people, and they do it at a price point of between 200 to 300 rupees per month per child. Uh, they're in close to 300 centers just in South India alone, largely Karnataka, expanding now into other parts of India. And uh, over 75% of their centers get to profitability fairly quickly at the center level. And you know, each center would they each center would have up to uh, 40 to 45 children. Uh, they hire a, a woman from the same village or a neighboring village who's usually a high school graduate, uh, train her to be a kindergarten teacher, and then uh, you know she's up and running the center. So that's uh, and the impact really comes from, uh, I think in today, um, if you look at uh, reports that Asar and others put out, uh, children that are in grade seven are only at grade two or grade three reading right. level. And um, Hippocampus' goal is to make sure that by the time children are in grade four, they're at the grade appropriate uh, learning level. So that's where the impact comes from. While at a, at a broad level, it's how many children that are enrolled in the center, and that's now you know, I think getting close to 20,000 odd children. Um, but as you drill deeper into how the impact is getting created, that's where it comes from. But fundamentally, it's a it's a business that's focusing on uh, in focusing on on providing high quality education services in rural India. That's the way uh, one would look at it. Mm. Uh, another of our investments is a is a company called DriveView. Uh, DriveView is an on-demand driver service for your personal car. Uh, so think of the likes of the on-demand taxi aggregators where you right. pull up an app and order a cab. Here you pull up an app and you order a driver for your car. <coughs> and uh, again, they're doing you know, uh, many thousand rides a month in four cities or five cities now in India and uh, scaling quite nicely. And the impact comes from the fact that they're bringing in people that are either drivers and looking for a job or uh, they're drivers and, and you know they're employed with someone, but they have a fair bit of downtime and they're on drive you and they're increasing income levels. Or, you know, you're an electrician or a plumber by day, but you know how to drive and by accessing the app and, and it's a marketplace that connects you right. with the customer. So again, they're seeing driver incomes in, in, a, in a number of situations almost double, oh. but in a lot of others, you know, go up at least by 50 to 60% on a monthly basis. And again, the, the business model is fairly simple. Uh, you pay you know, somewhere between 100 to 125 rupees per hour and drive, to drive you and drive you parts with, uh, I think, 75, 80% of that to the driver and they keep the rest like any other uh, you know, uh, marketplace type of model. And um, again, the income, and they're also providing health insurance to their better performing drivers. Mm. Um, you know, they've got uh, training tie-ups on basic customer service and, and, and the like. So that's again where the, you know, at the broad level impact is on how many drivers on the platform and, and how they're inco enhancing income levels. But as you go deeper, there's also other things that are, uh, that are getting provided to the driver. So that would be uh, you know, a second that sort of broadly falls into the into the livelihood yeah, bucket but at the same time uh, you know the argument that a lot of people make and i'm guessing this is also something that everyone wonders about about impact investing is when you look at drive you like oh you know this is a, a an investment that sort of any traditional venture firm could have also mean could have also made uh, and if you're saying drive you is is an impact investment then so is uber ola swiggy and all these other right. guys as well and I think the nuance there is, you know, what was the entrepreneur's vision for, for this business when they built it? And, uh, you know, at some level, what's the intent? And 
how is that translating on the ground into how do they care about the employee or how do they care about the constituent that they want to impact i think it's those aspects which come in and that's what we look for as a criteria when you're when you're looking at an entrepreneur and and deciding so in many ways i think you know we are not necessarily very different from from traditional venture firms from in terms of the rigor of analysis or the kind of things that we would look for uh, we look for market rate returns from every investment that we make but impact is something that we define very well and it's something that we care about and uh, that's and our the way we look at it is uh, we look for business models where the impact is built into the business model right. so then as the business scales the impact will also scale along with that and fundamentally as you know like any other venture fund um, if the business doesn't scale and grow you probably neither achieved impact nor achieved uh, you know the financial success that you want interesting so brings me to another question and i think that's where what you said clarifies but would love love to get to a little bit of detail so if i'm an entrepreneur and i say hey is my business impact or is it non impact the example of drive you could have been built by a completely in a different model by another entrepreneur without even considering the impact of what they are doing right whereas this entrepreneur that you backed has a certain vision so how do i as an entrepreneur determine whether my business is impact or not impact and therefore make the decision to approach you guys or not approach you guys tough one so i think fundamentally as an as an impact investor what we are trying to first look at is does the business model that you're doing is that fundamentally sound hmm. and that lens is is no different as hmm. you know from any other investor the next level of assessment that we would do when as we're evaluating the business is does the unit economics of this business lend itself in a way that you could be serving that low income consumer or that mass segment of you know bottom of the pyramid as it's called so we get pitched all the time by entrepreneurs of all all, all, all times yeah right. and what we are most interested in beyond of course the basics of you know the business model being sound and 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 making sense the opportunity and all of that what we are most interested in and and what we care about ends up being does the unit economics of the model support the the business in the longer term to be able to go after the base of the pyramid mm. and if that's if if an entrepreneur is able to demonstrate that that's what makes it interesting for for someone like us so that would be sort of an indirect way of of how an entrepreneur should think of it because a lot of businesses today could be serving consumer segments you know across tiers right. right and and it's very true with technology businesses because technology doesn't discriminate an atm doesn't care if you're you know if you're an hni or if Got you're it. you know if you're a microfinance borrower right but um, what then what the crux there ends up becoming that you know uh, with time and in in a country like india the opportunity is clearly at the bottom of the pyramid because the top gets saturated fairly quickly so then how's the entrepreneur thinking of going after that segment and uh, you know does the business model allow for itself over, over, over a period of time to get there so that's an assessment i think that we are looking for when when we make an investment and and um, we are fine if you know from what's been demonstrated so far by by a startup that's pitching to us we are fine if what's been demonstrated is is some of it is is focusing on the consumer segment we care about but the entrepreneur is clear in their thinking that that's really where they want to focus much more on and over a period of time you know 80 90% of whatever is the business that they're doing uh, caters to that segment i think that's the way we would we would look at it and perhaps that's what um, differentiates an impact investor from you know a 
traditional venture firm. Mm. Uh, there's also that element of, of a little bit of patient capital, as it's called, knowing that some of these businesses take longer and they're, right. you know, uh, longer gestation. Like, for example, you know, a, kinder, a business running kindergartens in rural in rural India is almost like building infrastructure. Right. Or uh, we have another uh, investment in a company that's, uh, that has a handheld breast cancer screening device. Mm. And you know that uh, um, scale will really come when they're able to screen women in large numbers in, in rural India or in you know, rural uh, uh, parts of other emerging economies. And some of those will take time because you don't necessarily already have a, a distribution network that goes in that deep yet. I mean, one is hoping that one bridge will answer that but or, or will solve that. But you know that some of those things Correct. take time. And I think it's also a question of timing. Uh, today, you're seeing a lot more opportunity emerge and, and, and access emerge simply because of the proliferation of, you know, uh, internet mobile and mobile internet, um, Aadhaar, the, the, the entire India stack India framework, stack. Yeah. Uh, a number of these other enablers that didn't exist, say, five, ten years ago and um, does so now. So I think that's the way that's the way we would look at Perfect. it. So what I hear you saying is three things. One, you're saying, hey, the why of what you're doing is critical to us. Your heart should be in the right place. You should explicitly say that this is the impact that I want to create. Two, the consumer segment that you serve has to be the, the base of the pyramid segment, right? Uh, largely, even if you start from the bottom, uh, from the top, you should have an intent to say that this is how I'll broad base my service. And three, you must have a business model that will support this, the first two. Absolutely. Because without the third, you, however good the intent and the mass market product is, you may obviously you'll wear your financial hat in, the, in, in, in category three, evaluate and say, hey, this model does not support. Correct. Right? Yeah. Uh, in your experience, typically, I'm just saying, if you meet 10 entrepreneurs, how many do you think you say, hey, fit the first one, I tick all the... All the ten on 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 parameter one, which is hard in the right place, wanting to do the right thing. How many of them have a product that serves mass market, and how many of them really think have a business model that supports that 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 whole rollout? What's your? So, I think the stat is is the same with like it is oh, in general. Yeah. So I think in I'd say one out of ten are uh, would be interesting, but not because of items one and two, but because of item three. Right. Right. A lot of what you see today is still. Know, business models that haven't been well thought through on the right. fundamentals of the business itself. Right. Now, assuming that you've gotten past item three first, which mm. is what we would do, mm. um, I think then trying to find folks that are where you're able to check box one and two becomes a, 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 narrower, a set. narrower set, but it's changing. You're seeing a lot more people realize, and that's simply coming from the fact that there is such an opportunity today, and there's a bunch of plumbing that's happening that you can access that consumer sector. Oh, exactly. But um, I think at the same time, from having seen you know, more than a few thousand, on, from having met and yeah. interacted or at least looked at, yeah. at at least 3,000 you know, business, business plans, plans. And anything that we bring into our pipeline needs to have some semblance of, okay, this looks somewhat interesting for us. So if mm. it's a company that's doing enterprise SaaS for, uh, for a US client, it's not even going to come into mm. our pipeline. Exactly. Right? Uh, so from that subset, I'd say you know we've looked at 3,000 odd plans up until now, we've made close to 30 investments, so that's the yield. Wow. Uh, and um, I think it's also around, you know, a lot of these businesses are tough businesses. Yeah. And so if if one's got the ability to execute and the skill set, 
not everyone is thinking of solving tough problems today exactly you know there are easier things to go after so yeah. why not try that but it's changing the people that have gone there tried that been successful are now coming and saying hey let me you know take on the next big yeah. challenge and i think you know, you're a classic example of yeah. that yeah. i think it's a, it's a it's a interesting one uh, because when i moved from uh, manipal to hetel high and subsequently yeah. one but a lot of people this. ask me saying so how do you define yourself as a social enterprise what is the difference I struggled with that answer for a couple of years, trying to figure out what is different. Of course, the heart was always there. I think I've come to the belief that there's nothing called as a social enterprise. In my worldview, there's an enterprise and there's an anti-social enterprise, <laughs> not the other way around. So, which means comes back to your point, see that if you embed the impact deep within your organization, and as you scale commercially, the impact naturally scales. in my view that's how all businesses ought to exactly. be exactly that's because it's good for all stakeholders it's good for all stakeholders rather than saying i'll do only money but it's a damn tricky thing try and get that model correct no bank uh, right. so if you ask my colleague uh, will pool who's one of the founders of united seed fund uh, uh, along with the, the rest of us his view is and he's you know he has uh, been a successful entrepreneur and and now an investor uh, and his view is you know he wants to leave behind a, a world where his grandchildren don't have to even realize that there existed something called impact investing at exactly. one point exactly because the you know the belief is all businesses should be impact impact and and should be run in this fashion exactly. because that's what will enable absolutely. success at a, at a broad level absolutely and that's where i think the inclusive development agenda right we need to pursue right uh, that thought process has to really seep in strongly and the and the view that i guess and it the choice that we've made if you look at the spectrum of impact investing Now the choice that we've made is we want to be in the bucket where we're generating high returns and high impact. So it's a choice that we've made on on looking at high impact, high returns, uh, and it is a spectrum. There are people that say, you know, I'm fine taking lower returns. Exactly. All I care about is the impact that's yeah. being created. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think eventually, with time, you know, it, it goes back to the the business model being uh, inherently uh, sound, and that lending to everything else. Right. Right. Terrific. So, so let's assume, and so we we've covered what do you look for. Now, what happens after you put in the money, right? As an entrepreneur, the journey is a lot of choices that one needs to yeah. make, right? There are choices that have high impact, but maybe in the gray zone of financial returns. Sure. There are choices which are clearly yielding high financial returns, but negatively impact the impact that one needs to create. As a board member, once you put in the money and assume that you're on the board. how do you help the entrepreneur stay honest to the cost that that you invested in and what are the dilemmas that you face while doing so this is a tricky one and my straight answer to your question on if there is if there comes a point where there is a trade off and i i use the word trade off broadly yeah. i think it really comes down to look we are at a point where it's not generating the kind of impact yet mm. uh, that we know we can mm. and uh, we are faced with this choice where we can now scale the business very rapidly by going after you know consumer segments that are higher and higher right. because it's far easier to access that consumer segment mm. less effective less mm. uh, less expensive right uh, more cost effective um, that that segment is already on facebook or whatever that Correct. be right i think the direction in which the the entrepreneur tends to go is look this is what i'll have to go after the segment where the money is simply because uh, it if i don't do that then i'm putting the entire business at risk so whatever little impact i i have created is also going to go away yeah. so i think 
those conversations and those tough decisions largely then tend towards fine let's pause on what we said we would do on the impact piece for now and um, let's go after the what makes business sense and make a commitment that we'll re- revisit we'll this in, in in some span of time mm. but and and that's fine because we know that the intent of the entrepreneur to do this was always there and we we are clear that that hasn't gone away correct and it's also baked into the agreements and all that that right. we do but those are honestly secondary yeah right uh, it's the intention and the genuineness with which they wanted to pursue that and as long as we're clear that fundamentally this business model is something where with time the unit economics is going to support that uh, as i said earlier we are fine with taking a pause going after a segment that is not necessarily uh, what we care about and then coming back to it mm. uh, and we are honest about it we tell our investors that here's how this was or when we tell ourselves as well that if mm. someone were to come and say hey you know how is it played out here we don't uh, uh, you know uh, we're we're honest about mm. whether that's achieved or not agree that we'll come back to it i think where we would uh, what would probably be something that i guess if it were a situation where we realized that the you know something was flawed with either the entrepreneur or with the business model uh, and that's what has led to the a situation where uh, it's not creating the kind of impact that we wanted i think that would be a situation where we would have to then reflect on right. on, on ourselves and and rethink on whether sure. we took the right decision or not sure. but otherwise i don't we have not questioned our decision to make that investment mm-hmm. or we say that hey you know this went nowhere mm-hmm. uh, and we've had those examples right and and we've also seen things then you know uh, like for example something changed where you could far more cost effectively uh, or something some some element you know changed that you can now access that that segment in a far better way and businesses have then come back to pursuing what they said mm. so from that angle and without of course naming names what have been your most spectacular failures and what are the learnings from that so i think See, we've not had anything spectacular yet uh well the spectacular failures that have happened or the failures that have mm. that we've seen in the portfolio have all been where uh, you know it's been a write off on the business or mm. we've recovered some money mm. but they still had created impact mm. Mm. okay and uh, you know the business didn't take off for various reasons either you know the space got really hot mm. and uh, you know there was so much vc money in that sector that new unfunded startups just didn't get funded because yeah. everyone was saying oh how are you going to compete with with someone that's raised so much money or it was because um, you know the entrepreneur wasn't able to execute which are all reasons that any any uh, uh, startup failure happens right correct so have we had a a, a failure where uh, you know we've given up on something because the impact hasn't been created i think the answer is no mm. it still is because they said yeah look we've tried we've done a bunch of these things we're not you know the timing is not yet right Correct. for us or there's you know in you know, a lot of times the plumbing is not there for us to access this but we know that uh, it's on the right side of history mm. uh, we'll get to it mm. in in due course mm. uh, that's really what has happened yeah so no, we've not had a situation where uh, something's been absolutely no impact but has imploded completely mm. or or the other mm. way no mm. no she we've covered the your evaluation and entry into a firm the dilemmas that you face when you're an investor in the firm let's get to the exit right so how do you look at exits generally in the space right one is of course from a financial standpoint you need your multi x return 8x to 10x return in 8x 4 to 6 years okay 8x to 10x return in 4 to 6 years 
Two is how do you look at it from an impact standpoint, sure. right? What is the what is the long-lasting impact that you want to create when you become a part of the firm sure. and when you exit? Sure. Like with any other investor, there is you're investing to to exit, and we're investing our investors' capital, so we have to give them a, a strong return. So the dynamics of that play out no differently from uh, from anyone else. From a long-term impact standpoint. I guess the way we look at it is you've seeded something fairly early and you've laid that foundation for a fundamental way in which this business is running its course and you hope that that stays on and it's gotten now ingrained into the DNA of the business and for for as long as uh, they're doing what they're doing, uh, the impact that's getting generated just keeps increasing manifold. I think that's the way we would look at it whether we and that's irrespective of whether we track those numbers or track the metrics etc because once you're not an investor there is no while you may um, stay in touch and all of that there's probably no reason for them to keep uh, you know providing you with information but you know at a fundamental level you've uh, you've ingrained something that's just staying on and uh, an example that um, strikes me is is uh, more from uh, uh, how it's played out with the Michael and Susan Dell Foundation where Mm. I used to work with before and manage mm. their investing portfolio and they are now an investor in United Seed Fund. They were one of the early investors in microfinance in India. Mm. Uh, they seed invested in a number of microfinance companies uh, that have today gone on to becoming banks. Right. And they are not an investor anymore but uh, there is… The impact of what they have done uh, is, is, is very much there. On very much there. Uh, it's very much there for everyone to see. Obviously if you, you, know, if you were to ask uh, Michael Dell or other folks at the foundation, they are immensely proud of the fact that they've been able to catalyze urban microfinance in India and you know, they've generated enormous amount of impact just by how many people have been, you know, uh, have been able to get access to credit, uh, not just regular credit, also, you know, micro mortgages and, and, and a whole variety of services beyond that and going beyond credit, what else have they been able to access to? And the fact is that uh, both, uh, you know, uh, the investments that they've done have also done very well financially simply because you know, it was a it was a great time for financial services to be uh, uh, you know getting going in India, and uh, they've proven that you know through those early investments and a number of other early investors in microfinance as well, they've all proven that this consumer segment is a is an investable asset class. If you're providing financial services to the underserved, they will pay for it, and they'll you know they're worthy, they're credit worthy as well. And that's now stayed on and, you know, you have now banks that are willing to service them and you have hedge funds investing in those banks and saying, yeah, this is a great segment to go after. And I think the way we look at it at Unitas, we're trying to replicate that now in education and in healthcare and in you know, job creation, employability and the like. So I think that's how one, one views the sort of impact on the longer term. So as the journey moves from just an impact investment to actually being mainstream, it brings back that Correct. point that you said that is no longer only impact. Right. Today, all the banks that they've become actually are in the mainstream. Correct. And they all started as microfinance companies. Exactly. So, so if you look at eight of the ten small finance banks and Yan Bandhan, which is a commercial bank, all started all as started out. Companies. So perhaps that is a journey that one wants to see. Correct. Right? When when you see something which is at the fringe. Correct. How does it become mainstream? Correct. So in that in that context, we moving on to the last question. Obviously, a lot of it moving from the fringes to mainstream requires a whole lot of regulatory policy advocacy support. Uh, one, at the United Seed Fund itself, do you take up any of those research, any of those projects which will showcase a model uh, 
uh, of doing something in a different way at the government and uh, again at a, at a at a industry level at a, at a group level what are the initiatives as much as you'd like to i mean unlike you we have only 24 hours in a day <laughs> so there's only that many things that we are able to do but i think a lot of this needs enablers at the policy level and particularly when you're working in in healthcare education you have to interface with the government uh, and for our for the startups that we invest in for them to succeed you will need either enabling framework or um policy that is yeah. at least when they get going non interfering but eventually enabling exactly and i think a few things like and, and i guess aadhar is a is a great example of that the fact that there are a number of businesses today that exist because uh, or can can uh, do what they're doing because of Aadhaar. the of the framework that uh, that aadhar has created it is the same with uh, same with upi for example the yeah. number of ideas that we see today are make more sense and can be uh, scalable and sustainable simply because of you know upi and, and stuff like that so i think in in healthcare education one like one would like to see more of that uh, we're we're part of a group called the impact investors council which is essentially an industry body mm-hmm. that's working on some of these things around uh, you know demonstrating the impact of impact investing doing research to show that look all of this is working we need to be able to unlock more of this beat from the government or from other folks and um, you know also doing advocacy for a number of uh, initiatives that will essentially help the impact investing industry scale and and, and grow on so there are a number of things that uh, that we're doing uh, at the fund level it's hard for us to do but uh, by being part of an industry association you know, all of this is is possible is possible uh, and you know so interfacing with say the niti aayog right. or with uh, with the ministry of finance on on bringing in uh, change into the way uh, either we operate or Uh, frameworks for some of the startups that we operate in that will just enable them to succeed. Sure. Those are things that that we do. Sure, great. Any last uh, words of wisdom for our uh, listeners? What do you think as a as an impact entrepreneur? I was actually going to flip it and ask you a question. Sure, why don't you do that? <laughs> I guess I'd flip that and ask you a question from you know because you've known Unitus and you've known the space for a while now. But are there things that you would particularly look for from an impact investor as you've now been raising money and you've raised money of of multiple types in the past and and through uh, what you're doing at OneBridge and Hellhai Foundation as well things that have, that you've wondered about an impact investor or things that you would like to see an impact investor change uh, that you think would help entrepreneurs like you that's a great question and it's a wonderful opportunity for me to <laughs> to address that as well I think couple of things, Sri Pramod. If I were to look at it, not just as Unitas, but from the sector perspective, one is this: from an impact investment standpoint, I think everybody in the sector should sp- spend as much time as possible at the grassroots. I cannot agree more with you. Right. One of the things that appalls me many times is when I meet people, uh, and I'm not talking about you. <laughs> when I meet people who say, "So when are the last time?" and I'll get some. Thirty-minute gyan on this how rural India is and it's out here. When is the last time you visited the village? Since when I was a kid, you know, my grandfather used to be in this posted here, and I used to go there, right? And but of course, there's a lot of reading. But I, I think, in my view, is that the the the, the base of the pyramid, be it urban or rural, is changing so rapidly now that if we don't get a pulse on that, uh, we'll be sitting in our ivory towers in Bangalore or wherever, and 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 defining what it should be. that's one point using powerpoint using powerpoints absolutely uh, 
what it also does is, especially to entrepreneurs who come to discuss, the feedback that you will provide, at the end of the day, I'm sure, you know, out of the 3,000 that you would have met, you would have given some feedback or other that have been valuable to them to say, hey, I went to them, they told me this, not investing, but here are three things to look for. Sure. And those will redefine the way people. So I want the feedback also to come out. And be meaningful. And be meaningful. So independent of whether they get funded or not, <laughs> it will make a difference to their lives. And lastly, I think this whole aspect of that impact entrepreneur actually being the mainstream, we need to shout more from the rooftops. Sure. Yeah. Right? Somewhere, my sense is, you know, and I might be totally wrong, but the perception that I get is that we're still at the fringes, yeah. right? Uh, the impact investing is still in the fringes. We're one small track in, in, in a general the large, startup conference. Exactly, right? I want it to be flipped around. Cannot agree more. Yeah. So how do we, therefore, the work that you do at IIC sure. uh, or even at individual funds level, we need to celebrate successes much more. We need to celebrate failures even more sure. so that everybody learns. And, and, and uh, somewhere along the way, if we push hard enough, then that whole aspect of that this is the mainstream, everything else is fringe, Correct. will be so embedded uh, deeply into the system. Wow. We all look forward to that day. <laughs> Fantastic. Doing, doing our little part. Yes. So thank you so much. Wonderful Thanks, to have Madan. this chat. Enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you. Thank you, Madan, and thank you, Sri. This has been a wonderful discussion, and we hope to see more support for the impact businesses in the coming years. Thank you all for listening to this podcast. We hold these discussions every month. So if you want to hear about any particular topic or have any questions, do leave your comments. We'll be back next month.